today we are going to talk about UNESCO. The meaning of this name is United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization. UNESCO is an international organization and that means a very broad, de broad definition from literature. In general, we can define an international organization as an association of states established by agreement among its members and possessing a permanent system or set of organs whose task is to pursue objective of common interest by meaning of cooperation among its members. To sum up this very broad definition, we can find five key points from this definition. The interstate basis, the voluntaristic basis, the possession of permanent system of organs, the autonomy and the cooperative function. UNESCO is made by 193 member states and the headquarters are based in France. From its foundation in 1945, UNESCO has sought to build peace through international cooperation in education, sciences and culture. And for this reason, uh, the worldwide aspect of the, this organization is by creating five offices around the world, specifically in Af Africa, Arab State, Asia, Pacific, Europe, North America, Latin America and Caribbean. In fact, to sum up its mission, is contributing to building up culture of peace, eradication of poverty, suitable development, intercultural di dialogue through education, science, culture, communication and information. Let's move to the UNESCO structure now. UNESCO is made by several offices in charge of running many departments like ethics or gender equality. All these offices are under control of one of the main governing authorities of the organization, the Director General, who stays in charge for four years. The Director General also manages five sectors, educational sector, natural science sector, social human science sector, cultural sector, and communication and information sector. The current director general is Audrey Arzolay. She already have experience in this field. In fact, she was an advisor on culture to the president of the French Republic. She also developed a lot of planning and programs for heritage in, in danger, for improving children access to the culture and to improve uh, people condition in remote and vulnerable areas. The second main governing authorities is the general conference that is made by the representatives of the UNESCO member state. It means every two years and is attended by member state and associate members together with the observer of not member state intergovernment organization and not governing government organization. Each country has one vote irrespective of its size or the extent of its contribution to the budget. The general governance also controls the policies and the main lines of work of the organization. Its duty is to set the programs and the budget of the UNESCO, but it also elects the members of the executive board and appoints every four years the director general. The last 
main governing authorities is the executive board that ensures that all over management of UNESCO. It prepares the work of the general conference and sees what its decisions are properly carried out. The function and responsibilities of the executive board are derived primarily from the constitution and from rules or directives laid down by the general conference. Every two years, the general conference assigns specific tasks to the board. Other functions stems from the agreements concluded between UNESCO and the United Nations, the specialized UN agency and the other intergovernmental organization. The executive board is made by 58 members uh, uh, that are elected by the General Conference. The choice of these representatives is largely a matter of diversity of the culture they represent, as well as their geographic origin. Skillful negotiation may be needed before a balance is reached among the different regions of the world in a way that will reflect the universality of the organization. The executive board meets twice a year. To provide some figures, we can say that about 700 staff members work in UNESCO's 53 field offices around all the world and they are managing by these three governing authorities. And now we can move from the description of the UNESCO structure and how it works to the HR angle, specifically the international HR aspect of UNESCO. The predominant approach for the uh, international HR practice in UNESCO is the global standardization. This approach is characterized by the meritocratic approach and this is means that the best people around the world can be hired from their organization and uh, uh, to, um, for any job in any countries. Uh, I say this is predominant uh, because uh, um, according to Taylor, Bichler and Napier, um, in the UNESCO we can find these thanks to the, for example, uh, the isoformism, in particular the normative one, because the, in the HR uh, handbook in UNESCO this is strictly applied, the UN guidelines, and this is applied and exported in every UNESCO's offices around the world. And uh, so this part, and also there is a special um, responsible uh, position that is the Bureau of the Field Coordination that is uh, responsible for reviewing and improving these practices and keep all these practices uh, link and uh, allowing all these practices to be the same that uh, the handbook required. So for this uh, situation we can find a very strong uh, application from the global standardization and also, uh, as we say, the normative con um, isoformism, but also for the convergence, convergence worldwide system. Uh, but as, as I say, this is a predominant approach because the 
integrated system by Taylor Bichler and Napier show how the fact that there is a global integration, there is a, a global exploitation about all these uh, HR practices, but at the same time, so, um, this system allowed some local variation. In fact, for uh, UNESCO case, we can find adaptation for the salaries because uh, every salaries in UNESCO are ad adapted to the local average in each country to find a balance from the job position and the salary and the country in which the staff uh, are working. Additionally, among the four approaches to the international HRM, we can find an, a practical application of the geocentric approach in UNESCO. In fact, job position, as we I said, follow meritocratic requirement across all the world, but this process is regulated by a geographical quotas for each state members. This quota is a number that is calculated by three main components. The first is the membership factor. The second is the contribution factor to the budget of the organization. And the last one is the population factor for each country. After all this calculation, we each state achieve um, a number. This number means the, uh, how many uh, people from this country or can have a job position in every job uh, position in UNESCO. But is not so th this process is not so strict. In fact, many um, um, state members are overrepresented in the UNESCO uh, posts. For example, there are 23 in the current uh, month that are overrepresented. The most overrepresented countries are France and Italy. For example, Italy has as a um, geographical quotas 23, but in the actual number of job position um, for Italian uh, people, there are more than 200 job position um, gained by Italian uh, employees. And for what concern special HR practices in UNESCO, we can find privileges and immunities that UNESCO grant to the staff members, and, but only uh, for the interest of UNESCO and not for the personal benefit of individuals themselves. But uh, the organization uh, also can interrupt the immunity when this uh, when this could impede the course of justice for any member of the um, UNESCO. Another special practice that is linked to what I said before about uh, one of the priority of UNESCO in the current year about the gender equality, we can see during the recruitment process how much the UNESCO 
put efforts in having a balanced recruitment for men and women. In fact, for um, specific job position that already has a very um, a low percent of women, they try to uh, improve this, uh, this aspect uh, even in the recruitment process, provide um, training and avoid uh, recruit recruiters to have any kind of uh, Mm. Uh, any kind of influence even for family members for other staff members but also in the biased way and uh, this is also is, uh, is uh, empowered by the fact that all job position in UNESCO is graduated by a spe specific uh, rating in which there's um, a specific code for each level and, the, and this is, is attached by the salary, um, a type of salary for each grade. So this is a very transparent way in which they uh, do the recruitment but also how they manage the internal situation about the salaries and about the um, promotions for example. And among the many, many HR practices and special ones in UNESCO, we can find the danger pay. Danger pay is a special payment to staff members who are required to work in duty station where there are very dangerous conditions. For example, duty station where UN staff or staff from organization of UN common system like UNESCO are clearly, persistently and directly targeted or are in danger as a person or because um, these this offices are in the uh, country under war or on, a, on an, an active armed conflict, for example. In conclusion about this part, there is an also a special aspect in the HR handbook. Um, this is uh, the ethics uh, section because the ethics section is the under review for the current year. This is, is linked to the next section of this pod podcast. In fact, in the next session, section, we're going to talk about ethical aspect in UNESCO. Okay, in this, um, in this section, I'm going to talk about ethical issues. I'm going to focus on two main aspects, the ethical imperialism and the ethical relativism. I'm about the uh, main debates on the universalism and rel relativism around the universal declaration of human rights. From the 1948, when the, when the declaration about the hum human rights was created, the main aspect that UNESCO wanted to achieve was the universalism and the exportation of this uh, principle among, around all the world. The fact is that in the 1999, uh, there are many states, countries, create a parallel version of the, uh, the 
uh, universalist declaration of human rights. For example, there is the Cla uh, Cairo Declaration for, for example, around 50 states in which the, uh, the main ethical aspects are, are the same, but many of them are implemented, integrated with the religious aspect for this Arabic state, for example. So the presence of this parallel declaration of human rights means that there's also some issues around the universalism of these rights. In fact, in the 1964, there was a very um, strong um, critic from Strauss about the um, universalism of the of the uh, rights. In fact, Strauss promoted the cultural cultural diversity around all the world and the um, impossible aspect of having a universal uh, ethics for every country around the world. From these new debates that it takes uh, a, lot, a lot of years even now about the promotion of cultural diversity, this is became a very important stage in UNESCO activities and in particular for the safeguarding of intangible heritage for um, different culture from the Western one. In fact, in the 2005, UNESCO Declaration of Bioethics and Human Rights present new aspects that incorporate some of the critique and alternative worldwide views. This is represent the first step for UNESCO to start to accept and to promote cultural diversity around the world. The problem at this point in the 2005 is that there's still a sort of hierarchy in, the, in this declaration about the hegemonic paradigm, the Western one, um, for comparing to the other one. But represent, as I said, the first big step for the protection of the biodiversity and the different type of culture from these debates. Uh, empowered even from the activists and many uh, civil society around the world to make aware that United Nations and UNESCO on the fact that many countries even don't understand this kind of ethical aspect because are so different from the, uh, the culture that start uh, in UNESCO also the um, volunteer to uh, empower and to improve the tools by collecting information from all these countries and from these uh, wide debates around this aspect um, in order to, uh, to obtain equal treatment and also um, find a, a integrate approach for the human rights and we can see in the United Nations Human Rights Management Plan 
from 2018 to 2021, a changing approach from the Universal One to a strategic coverage of human rights in our country. I want to remember you the fact that this plan is made by the consultation of all member states, in which there are so many different states from the Western One, but also civil society and private sector. So this is um, a big step to trying to protect cultural diversity, but also try to integrate the Western ethic values to the uh, all world different culture and values. In conclusion, I start my podcast talking about the international organization as UNESCO and how UNESCO works and how it's structured. Then I illustrated its mission and moved to the HR angle, specifically on describing a theoretical framework uh, and applying these to the UNESCO HR practices. Then I also illustrate special HR practices in UNESCO. In fact, the last one let me open a new section about the ethical issues, trying to provide um, a, de a debate around this aspect and uh, concluding about the new aspect and the planning future aspect for UNESCO and UN. Thank you for the attention.